0: Have you ever felt like you're maybe getting up there in age or you're potentially within range of becoming obsolete? If that's something that you are experiencing or have experienced, then let me tell you you're at the right place because today's episode we're gonna we're gonna dig in a little deeper. We're gonna talk about things uh that you know. I've experienced and maybe it'll help you out so stay right here well thanks for coming back Uh, today I've got I've got something useful that I want to share with you okay it's something that I found recently and purchased off of Amazon it's uh, it's camouflaged, so you know it's tough. It looks like a gun. It comes with multiple different attachments as well, uh, but you know, just keep this long guy on there. But essentially, what it is is it's a battery-powered, you know, rechargeable blower. You know how we we spend a bunch of money on that canned air stuff uh, to clean up the computer, you know, dust off the uh, the shelves, whatever, um, or Yourself down, you know, you, you're sweaty after setting up for a, a podcast shoot like this one, and you need to cool yourself down. Well, uh, this little gadget here is on Amazon, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and drop the affiliate link in the description in case you're interested. But uh, you just hold that button down, to get it going. Oh, yeah. It's got multiple speeds. Trust me, it's powerful. You know, it may need a little bit of a charge, but uh, you know, dust is no match for that little guy. So, if you want to, you know, save the environment, uh, prevent the mishap of your child getting a hold of that canned air, and for some reason, huffing it and becoming addicted and going on some kind of crazy rampage, then uh, that's uh, that's what you want to get. So, you know, I find things that help me out with work or otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and share them, okay? Because uh, a co-worker of mine, you know, he mentioned canned air the other day and I, I brought it up and, uh, and told him how much I enjoyed this. He was looking at multiple different models on uh, on Amazon and he was curious about which one I went with and so I sent him the link he he bought it right away and and hopefully hopefully he likes it so we'll see but uh, it's enough about that that's enough about that like I said in this episode you know I wanted to wanted to get real okay it's December 1st we're knocking on 2024 if you can believe it You know, Christmas will be here, the holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all the good stuff. Uh, And, you know, it's time to get reflective, right? I mean, the sun is rarely out, so, you know, we're dealing with snow and cold. And maybe it's that, maybe it's something else, but, uh, yeah, I've been reflective. I don't know about you, do you ever go through these times where you're like, you turn around and you notice that all of your peers are like 10 years younger than you uh, or 20 in some crazy cases <laughs> and you think what happened you know I remember my first legit design job and man I, I would have done it for free don't tell them that I needed to provide for a, a, a small family at the time. But uh, it, was, it was that awesome to go from blue collar manual labor to just working in front of a beautiful Mac computer and being in Photoshop or Flash at the time or Illustrator, whatever. It just, uh, it was amazing. And I'm like, am I, am I seriously doing this, getting paid for it? You know, and just prior to that, I had ventured off on my own, you know, after dropping out of college because of uh, juggling too many things, got in a car accident, it's a whole thing, but, uh, and I I knew I didn't want to be doing the, you know, the blue collar thing forever, I wanted to be able to leverage my God-given skillage, okay, um, Something that I thought I had at the time, and maybe I did in some areas, but certainly weak in the design department. I could draw, you know, that was about it. But uh, long story short, you know. So yeah, failed attempt at, at uh, freelancing, first real design job at a legit studio, you know, 20-person team or so, and. I was just like wow I don't have to be the one knocking down people's doors or you know accounts receivable or to drum up new business I didn't even know what in the heck I was doing I was you know I've talked about it before on this program but just lost with uh, you know what to do you know this was prior to this design job so learned a ton there about the business of design and Long story short, I remember telling people, my wife, anyone who would listen, you know, they would talk about retirement or whatever uh, and, you know, put money into your 401k, you know, save that up because you're going to want to, going to re- want to retire at 65 or whatever. And I thought, are you kidding me? I'm going to do this forever, you know? You know, I might stay at this same studio forever. Just keep on sending me those uh, those tasks. I'll get them done. You know, maybe we'll design something cool here and there. But I'm able to sit down, be in front of a computer, walk, grab myself a beverage, whatever. Speaking of that, uh, it's time to wet the whistle. Oh, yeah. Seltzer water. Kroger. do it right yeah so anyways that was my thought you know i was young 25 and thought that i was gonna always not only feel well enough to and fulfilled and all that to just keep on doing you know an entry designer's work and you know i imagined i would climb the design, creative ladder, whatever you want to call it, but as time has gone on, I've uh, started to realize that the reality is, uh, you know, like it or not, call it ageism or whatever, but us oldies, we, uh, we got a shelf life, <laughs> you know, um, uh, yeah you can I'm at a loss here I, you know I I don't want it to be true I do, I think there's definitely value that that we can bring as we age and there's different tiers you know there there are things that are that only experience can provide all those things but it's not it's not a given is is what I'm trying to say and so rather than have all my eggs in in one basket in my employer's basket essentially I'm at at their you know their whim no that's not the term I'm at their disposal yeah their disposal I mean think about that that's that's what happens especially in the current market where you know you see a design job pop up and boom 700 applicants You know, (laughs) you go back a year and a half, two years ago, and there would be like maybe 40 or 100 if it was a really big um, job. But people were in demand in the tech space and in the creative field. You wouldn't be too off base if you thought that uh, it would always be like that. At least that, that was the thinking. But here we are, it's a tighter market. You know, layoffs abound, you know, uncertainty is on the horizon uh you know there's so many different variables that play into it right with the world um yeah i could could get political but we're not gonna okay because that's not the kind of show we're running here all right so suffice to say you're gonna diversify your eggs right rather than having all those eggs in the employer basket, you want to work harder on yourself than you do your job. Now, I'm not saying it's time to just coast and do the bare minimum or, you know, quiet quit or whatever, you know. I mean, there's ethics involved here. You're getting paid. You want to provide value. And and that means, you know, putting 100% of yourself into it while you're on the clock and you know I've always got you know part of my brain working like when I'm consuming media or seeing things out there in the world like how can I leverage this for my day job and uh, not to mention my side hustle or whatever and so yeah that is kind of where I'm at is like no you're not going to be able to work forever for an employer and just assume that because you're able to use a computer or you can you know execute certain commands and you maybe you've stayed up to date to a certain degree it doesn't mean the employer is going to want to keep you around you know that business may not be around they may sell it they may go under they Um, you know new ownership changes hands from one generation to the other whatever and they're like we we need fresh blood in here we're not going to call it that because that would be you know not politically correct but we're going to help you gracefully uh, be set off into greener pastures if you will right and, and so that is the reality of what I'm dealing with. Does that mean that I'm going to consign myself to this inevitable path and just allow it to happen and hope that things work out well enough? No, no. I don't want to leave my future, my family's future, to chance. And so that is where the subject of today's podcast comes into play with regards to, you know, doing your own thing because if you're your own boss, well, then it's up to you whether or not you keep yourself on as a creative or what it is you want to do or you, you are able to hire younger creatives and sit back from a, you know, place of mentorship or whatever, right? be the boss Um, but like I kind of alluded to tain easy right you go uh, you go back to the year 2004 2005 when I was doing my freelance thing straight out of blue collar land and crashed and burned you know and and just a few little things if I would have known them, would have made all the difference, you know. And I've hit on these before and I'll hit on them again because they're that important. You know, for one, scoping, you know, scoping projects. Just knowing how to set those expectations for your client, it's huge. And knowing how to communicate, you know, what's included. If you're creating a brochure, are the stock photos included? Have you worked that into the price? Or is that an upcharge? You know, and how many are included? Because if you're having to fork out on the low end 10, 20 bucks a piece, or on the high end five, six hundred bucks a piece, then you better for darn sure make sure you know um, and your client knows more importantly what is or what is not included okay so that's the thing that really bit me hard and then just you know standard business practices in general not that you need an MBA for it but just the fact that you know barely paying your bills or going month to month and and skirting by is not the definition of a successful business, a business that's going to be there tomorrow, a year from now, whatever, you know, so you, you got to bake in those margins, those profits so that you're, you're always growing, you're putting money away, you're, um, able to invest in equipment and talent, whatever, just have that nest egg there for your business so that as always seems to happen when you hit a lean month or quarter or whatever you'll have that money to lean on and you know you'll have a set list of things that you can do to help you know keep circulating the the leads and keeping that uh, biz-deb going okay so that's kind of a primer. But to bring a little bit of structure to this, I'm going to invoke the knowledge of a true expert in the field of marketing and creative and professional services in general, Mr. Seth Godin. And I wish I could say, hey, Seth, hop on the mic. Welcome as a guest, he's not. (laughs) But I have read a couple of his books, a few of his books and my favorite is called the practice shipping creative work so i've i've read it once all the way through i've you know referred to it multiple times i'm always super energized and excited about the future when i you know consume the the knowledge that that is there in and you know, I think a while back I did an episode on the same book from this podcast. So you know, check that out. and essentially that was that was me um, pulling a couple of nuggets randomly from the book as I went through it the first time, and just shared kind of my thoughts on those. But this time, I'm invoking the you might call it dark arts of the AI to help me out. So, I, you know, told Mr. ChatGPT, hey, you're an expert in all things Seth Godin, blah, 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 his book, you know, shipping creative work, the practice, whatever. Um, You know, from this perspective, from someone who is looking to start their own practice, their own freelance business, one-man show, or something bigger, you know, with that lens, Mr. ChatGPT, what would you say are the top 10 most important uh, steps, essentially, or, or learnings from that? And so that is what I have to share. So, you know, obviously, if you have access to ChatGPT, you can do that yourself. Um, you can just kind of say, hey, I don't need this. I'm checking out. I'm going to do this myself. But uh, I will warn you you won't get the pleasure of hearing what I have to say about it, <laughs> right? Since, uh, you know, I'm sure that's that's what you're, you're looking for. So here it is. Number one, start before you're ready. Whew, man, you know, don't wait for the perfect moment or feel you need to know everything. You know, starting is the most crucial step according to ChatGPT based on what is written in that book. And I remember that uh, really, you know, slapped me in the face because when you're looking to make a change, you know, from what you might perceive as security at a day job, you know, you're getting a steady paycheck, you're collecting medical benefits, you got other bennies, as the kids call them. Um, that's hard to step away. You got a family to feed. You're like, if I'm going to do this, it better be turnkey, ready, everything dialed in for the next five years, guaranteed money before I do this. And for the love, you know, this is up to each individual. Personally, you know, you do you and you make sure that whatever you decide to do, you've done the research, you feel confident, you, you have a game plan. But no matter where you're at, there's going to be something else you could have done. There's going to be something more. There's always, it's super easy to talk ourselves out of like not taking that step and thinking that by not making this decision to move on, that we're playing it safe, but you making that decision to stay where you're at and you've been there for six years or whatever, that, my friends, is a decision. And it may be the riskier decision. Okay? Current market as my proof point. Okay? Okay? Number two, we're moving right along. Consistency is key. All right. Consistent. Got to be consistent. You know, create and deliver work regularly. This builds discipline, improves skills, and establishes your reputation. And I would say consistency is not just about, um, you know, posting regularly on social media or consistently Delivering on what you say you're going to do all super important things, but I'd also say that it has to do with Just every aspect of Pulling yourself up out of bed consistently at, at a good time because if you take that step into the unknown of uh, self-employment You know freelance town 2024, or whatever, then it's going to be easy to be like, hey, it's cool, I can sleep in it, I can have an extended weekend and make it, you know, two weeks long, and I'll get to that when I get to it, um, I've got a buffer, whatever. No, you got you to gotta be consistent with your schedule, you're producing things. Now, you may decide that, hey, you do your best work from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., you know? I don't know if I recommend that, especially if you're gonna have some type of customer-facing relations with clients and whatnot. But, uh, but hey, if that works, you do you. Make that work, but uh, consistency. So that's number two. Number three. Focus on process, not outcome. Concentrate on your work method rather than observing or obsessing over the success of each project. Consistent process leads to consistent outcomes. Yeah? Okay. So, rather than beating ourselves up because our latest video or post didn't get the number of likes or views that we hoped it would or our marketing campaign or ad spend didn't you know result in millions of dollars of business overnight if we're going to beat ourselves up over that and say hey what you're stupid you're not doing this right who do you think you are that's a that's a slippery slope my friends and A lot of times there's just little changes that we can make we can dial in we can be like okay how can i make this process a little a little more smooth you know how can i circumvent or mitigate potential red flags or or objections from the client you know you're presenting multiple logo concepts and rather than just sharing a page of eight marks and saying hey pick which one you like best with no context you know separate those bad boys out one at a time maybe show them in different scenarios and or you know write a description a kind of designer's perspective little note that's like here's this mark or logo and i I'm using shapes that evoke this feeling and I chose this element or that Because I know that it'll speak to this audience that you said and this was that's essentially my Rationale on why I'm presenting this and then all of a sudden that uh, Prospect that brand that client can see that. Oh wow this isn't just some random Shape that looks cool or doesn't there's some meaning behind it or there's some intention in why the designer decided to go that way So that's just one example. There's obviously process is is in everything we do and we can constantly be improving that and I think to me what's equally as important is that that second part the not focusing on the outcome because you're going to be anxious, you're going to be hypercritical in general when you're when you're on your own, when you're the boss, when you're taking on this big thing and if you can get yourself to get out of your own head and focus on the process trusting the process. It's going to be huge. Number four, seek feedback, not reassurance. You know, constructive criticism helps you grow. Reassurance only comforts, but doesn't contribute to improvement. So that's great. And it's not easy, especially in this day and age where we're all about tolerance and not hurting anybody's feelings and not even having to pick up the phone. We can just text. We don't have to see people. We've been through a pandemic, you know, where we've been remote and hands-off and we just are able to totally almost remove any friction out of our life, you know, and we're not having to go to work and in a lot of cases. And yeah, we're getting off the subject. But essentially, we're, what I'm trying to say is, You know, we don't like the confrontation or contention. And that's what feedback can be sometimes. But that's what's important. That's what's going to actually make you better. Not just getting someone to say, hey, what do you think of this? Pretty cool, right? And then they're just going to say, yeah, great, good job. Rather than, you know, asking open-ended questions like, what don't you like about this? Or, how can I improve this? That's number four. Now, number five, Cinco de Fivo, embrace failure as learning. So that goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, number four. You know, every time we get that kind of hurtful feedback, that radical candor, whatever, that gives us an opportunity to admit that, hey, we're not perfect. There is room for improvement. I'm going to accept this failure in my you know, process or personality or skills or whatever, and I'm going to make it better. Every setback, it says, is a step towards mastery. Learn from failures rather than fearing them. You know what? If you haven't done it in a little while, here we are halfway through. Go ahead and get yourself a cold sparkling water. Seltzer water. Zero calories, zero flavoring, just that tasty, tasty, hard sparkle. And when I say hard, I'm not talking alcohol. I'm talking cold hard tastiness. Ah, feel the burn. I love it. <laughs> Here we go. Number 6. Ship it. Don't get bogged down in perfectionism. Number six says you got to ship it. Complete your projects and put them out there. Done is better than perfect. Love it. So the act of just getting something out the door, bringing something to completion, is so critical to what we do. You know, I'm Guilty of it. I think it's human nature to get an idea, you know, that initial 50% even 90% is fun and exciting and then you start to Hit hit up against some resistance. It gets hard. You realize that Here I am at a point where It's not fun anymore because I'm You know, if you're working on a drawing and you're trying to make it realistic, you know, you've had fun kind of capturing the likeness of a person or a place or a thing or whatever. Um, You've captured the general idea or essence of what it is you're doing. But then when it comes to the actual execution, the rendering, you know, it can take an hour to cover a square inch of this, you know, thousand square inch, canvas that you have or whatever so it can be extremely tedious i'm i'm working on a project right now uh where you know i bit a bit off a little more than maybe i can chew it's trying to create several blocks of manhattan buildings you know textured it's a night scene it's in the background and then you're inside of you know a posh event. Uh, space in a hotel or something and I want it to look realistic because I want it to you know feature uh, an executive from someone at MX who can stand in this virtual environment and have it feel real you know and while it looks cool and there's a lot of promise uh, it's starting to get hard and slow and you realize that yeah it's not it's not looking real yet because it's obvious that there are some details that are missing and if any of y'all have worked in 3d um, or anything I mean it's you know, not sure what takes longer, you know, trying to make something look real in 2D and in some, you know, airbrushed uh, oil painting acrylic piece or, you know, a 3D scene that's fully fleshed out with textures and just the right fidelity of models and everything, so, uh, yeah done is better than perfect Um, and it is extremely easy to get bogged down in perfectionism and there are some things that do you know require a certain level of perfection because it's either looks real or it doesn't you you know the uh, depth of field bokeh can only take you so far (laughs) so We'll we'll, uh, we'll update you on that. But uh, number six, ship that junk. Number seven, trust your voice. Your unique perspective and style are your strengths. Trust in your creative voice and let it shine in your work. Now, I've heard several people say that if everyone likes your work, then you're not pushing it hard enough you know real art is uh polarizing you know there's going to be some that absolutely love it and are just over the moon crazy psycho over it and then there's going to be others that are just hate it you know i look at uh some of the current design trends which are a resurrection of, you know, past design trends from the 90s and and that was probably, you know, something that started in the 70s or 60s even, but it's this, uh, look it up, it's brutalism, brutalist, brutalism, art style, where it's like intentionally bad and jarring and the colors are not harmonious, the graphics are um, intentionally low res or uh, you know elements are cut out but it does convey some sense of kind of disorder and irreverence and grunge and excitement and you know stick it to the man type of an attitude so case in point if you've uh, if you've checked your Spotify Lately, here it is, the end of the year, and you've got your Spotify wrapped, or whatever, and it's a little video that takes you through. You know, that's an example of brutalist, brutalism design, where, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about, but it's just these crazy colors, but guess what? It's a trend. It's a trend. I'm, let's just say it doesn't come natural for me (laughs) to produce that kind of work but I do appreciate it more than I ever have before because there is some intention there. So, and, you know, that was just one example, but if that's what everyone's doing, right, then that's not your unique voice. So what is it that makes you different? You know, how can you take your vision of the world or how you see things and put it out there Ship it and expect and hope that others will see it as well. And so that's a, that's a real way to differentiate. You know, we can say niche down, niche down, however, I think niche is what people, what the kids are saying. And, and you might think, oh, that just means I got to pick one thing. But really, according to Gary V, and I agree with him, is that your niche is you. You know, if you are a poetry-loving, ballet-enthusiast, monster-truck-loving snowboarder who happens to like to draw with crayons, pull that all together somehow, and that's your lens on the world, and that's how you see things. Share that unique perspective with your audience, and there's going to be... Another group of uh, monster truck balleters, whatever you want to call them, that are going to dig that as well. Whew, we're just cruising right along. We got number eight. According to Seth Godin, um, abridged by ChatGPT, (laughs) uh, for you're looking to go out on your own and start your own practice. So number eight is generosity in your work. Create with the intention to add value and make a difference. This mindset often leads to more fulfilling and impactful work. Yeah, I can hear that. You know, how can you tell your story or help a cause or, um, you know, really look to move a, a medium forward? You know, we're we've been in the web world for uh, decades now and we're entering a new chapter of mixed reality with apple's new headset coming out and uh, the oculus no it's not oculus meta quest 3 pass through action and what have you how can you really push the boundaries you know what what are those experiences that not everyone else is thinking about, but uh, you're being generous and you're taking the time to do it. Uh, you know, that's my perspective. You tell me where I'm wrong here. I'm not. I'm just. This is just one dude's opinion. Number nine. Number nine. One away from the last one. Practice empathy. Understanding your client's needs and perspectives is crucial in delivering work that resonates. satisfies. So one way you might look at that is even though I've got my own voice and I'm trying to maybe apply my style or impose, might be a better way of saying it, impose my style on my client's project. Unless that is a brand fit then maybe you're not being empathetic to the audience to the needs of the brand you're more concerned with just being able to create something that you're gonna have fun with and you want to put in your portfolio now that's not to say that that's bad but it all comes down to kind of what i talked about in the beginning stuff that isn't on this list here uh, with regards to setting those expectations ensuring that the client knows that hey you're engaging with me. This is the style I work in. These are the types of brands that usually mesh the best and where my work is going to be a good fit. You know, otherwise if if you're, you know, interested in playing the role of the, the chameleon, which is another early episode of the podcast, check that out where you've learned the skills of appreciating different design styles and being able to emulate those or you know not just straight rip it off but to say okay I'm going to leverage something that is more feminine that isn't necessarily what I normally do but for one reason or the other they came to me a dude and I'm going to get in touch with my feminine side so I can do this but I'm also going to you know care about it enough to really understand that audience and what makes them tick. I'm, I'm not just going to rely on my perspective of it. I'm gonna get in there and understand from the client or user research or looking at competitors. What are the things that are working or not working and producing something that is empathetic to the brand, to the audience, so on and so forth. Finally, number 10 on this list is continuous learning stay curious and keep learning trends tools and techniques in graphic design are always evolving and i love this i love it you know we all kind of at different times and you know find a design style illustration style and it's, aesthetic, if I can say that word correctly, that we just really like or uh, resonate with. And it's easy to just be like, yeah, that's the go-to solution for this problem. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'm going to phone it in and I'm going to (laughs) apply this design approach, essentially, that worked for this other website, or this other logo, or this other motion design piece, or whatever. Uh, no. No, 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 no. You need to be continuously learning. And that doesn't just mean reading books and going to more schooling. All those things are great and everything. But it means being ferocious consumer, being absolutely passionate, About everything you know that that is even remotely tied to design and that's pretty much everything and like I've stressed in the past you know if you want to be a better designer a better illustrator uh, motionographer motion designer whatever the terms are that they're using these days and you're just looking at what has been done or what's currently being done then you know chances are you're going to kind of be a copycat sure you might take some from one thing and some from another and mesh it together and that's definitely definitely a step in the right direction but if you can take something that has nothing to do with typography or motion graphics or animation and use that to inform what it is you're doing. It's like, say I'm designing a vehicle, you know, yeah, I could go look at other vehicles and find the ones that I think are the most awesomest, right? And I'm going to take headlights inspired from this, I'm going to take the lines in the body inspired from this, or you could go look at freaking insects or nature you know so yeah you're gonna pull in your experience from something else you know maybe you've done an extensive amount of traveling or you happen to be a student of biology whatever take those hobbies that aren't necessarily uh, design related and apply them to what you're doing and create something something new And so that, my friends, my friend, you, I'm talking to you because you tuned into this. You've listened to the whole thing. You needed to hear this for one reason or another. It can't just be me. Uh, You know, go out there, figure out what it is you want to do. You know, be realistic about the future, realistic about the fact that if you're not making a choice you're still making a choice if you're someone who says i'm a yes man i'm not gonna say no i'm gonna say yes to this i'm gonna say yes to that guess what for everything you're saying yes to you're saying no to something else it's just how it is because like it or not we can only do one thing at a time and if we're doing this thing we're not doing a million other things right Again, thank you for joining me on another episode of a little program that I affectionately call Create or Die. So until next time, my friends, keep on creating. And I'll say it again, create or die.